Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters, and we're here to help. All right, we are wrapping up our mini-series on Daring Greatly with by Brene Brown. Brown? Brown. Brene Brown. Brown. Brown bear, brown bear. It's been a long week of <laughs> past testing. So, okay, so this one, Farron, you interviewed Janet. Yes. So tell us about how you're connected with Janet. Yes. Everyone has a Janet in their life. They're the ants that aren't blood-related, but they might as well be. They're your mom's best friends and so now that um I'm older and have kids and you know a husband one of those things uh (laughs) it's just nice to have my mom obviously but then also her friends to give advice and share their wisdom because they were here not that long ago in this life phase and so now that they've lived through it they're able to you know give some insight on what they would have done differently, what they really were proud of that they did. And so um, as many of my mom's friends, I really admire Janet's story. Yes, what I also like is that Janet, you have Janet now, so you're using her as like a mentor, even though if your mom's telling you the same thing and then Janet comes in and says it, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it now. Right. It, that happens with our kids. If uh-huh. We could tell our kids something, and then the coach walks in and says it, and the kid's like, oh, okay, I got it. Right. So, again, we need those people. We are those people, one way on the either side or the other. So it's really cool to hear you get to talk to Janet about just her story, how she's come from another state. She went a non-traditional route, and now she's a surgical operating room nurse. Uh, I like that she hits topics like mom guilt, and getting your village to rally behind you, and how prayer um, and asking for guidance really does help. So I I like this interview. It's fun, and it has some really good information bits there. Yes, my biggest uh, reason for wanting to interview Janet, too, was that she went back to school to pursue pursue her dream job um, later in life after having kids, And I think that there's a lot of people out there that kind of tell themselves, well, I can't chase that dream because it's too late Um, or I have too many responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we talk about it here a lot, but if you want to make excuses, you can. And if you care enough about it, you'll find a way to make it happen. So um, I think her story is a really good testament to those principles. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, how are you doing today? I'm here with Janet Clancy. Janet, tell everyone hi. Hi, I'm Janet. Yes, she is here to talk about her life journey. What a big one. How you got from your place of birth to here. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. But um, Janet, why don't you start off and kind of tell them where you are at in life today. Okay, today I'm sitting on the floor (laughs) of a closet with yeah. the door shut with Farron, because <laughs> it's the only place we can get solitude from kids. <laughs> yes, episode two, Jeannie's Closet. Jeannie's yes. Closet. So anyway, I am, I think, 54, but I never can remember. But I am currently a surgical operating room nurse, and I live in Texas. I have two adult children who I am very happy that they are adulting, and I am an empty nester with my husband, who I love very much, and we're very happy to be empty nesters. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that's where I am right now. You're a cat lover. Oh, I love cats. I have two currently. I've had up to five at one time, but that put me crazy, so mm. we're back down to two. Yes, there, I believe there was an intervention of some kind. There was, yes, <laughs> a cat intervention. No cats were harmed, though. <laughs> awesome. And Janet was like, might as well have been my aunt growing up. Her yep. daughter was best friends with my sister. And so, anyways, like talking to family today. Yep. All right, so tell me a little bit about like where were you born childhood siblings okay I was born in um, Ohio and have two older sisters um, we're all within about three years of each other so we're Irish triplets as they say um, we all were pretty good growing up pretty close um, we moved around a lot as kids mm-hmm. um, went to high school did not go to college, so I chose a, a little different path with my life. I felt like um, I wanted to get out of my house immediately, so as soon as I graduated high school, I left and uh, went to live with my sister, who lived in South Carolina at the time, and um, started working. Worked full-time, and um, yeah. Do you think you wanted out, like, being the last out of the house? I'm yep. the oldest, right? Yep. So I'm out, and I come home and visit, and it's like nothing's changed. But when you're the last, what's that like? It was, I could tell my parents were ready for me to leave. <laughs> so it was mutual. <laughs> um, a lot of my friends went to college, so there's still a part of me that um, regrets not going right out of high school. Um, I looked into it. I applied, got accepted to a couple different colleges in Ohio. Actually knew I wanted to be a nurse. Got accepted into a nursing program in Ohio. And then um, just decided to fly the coop and move in with my sister because that sounded like more fun than going to school. So that's, um, I don't know if that was the right path, but it was my path. Right. Yeah. Looking back, like, do you think school was intimidating, not a good fit? Were you, like, not sure, man, do I really want to do nursing? Did you have any other thoughts? Where do you think? Or do you know? Um, You know, it's kind of funny because back, even though it wasn't the dark ages, it kind of feels like it right now Um, because now you wouldn't even think of a person not going to college right after high school. Back in the 80s, there was about a 50-50. 50% from graduating class went to school, 50 did not. Um, So I just fell into the 50 that did not because my parents were um, not super encouraging to go off to school. Um, My older two sisters didn't go to college either, so I think it was just the way we did it. so that's a really good point. I mm-hmm. didn't think about that, mm-hmm. but, you know, how much that's changed. It has changed a lot now. So, and unfortunately, I think our trade skills are suffering um, as a result of that because, you know, it's really hard to get a good plumber now yeah. because there's, it's, you don't, everyone goes to college and no one wants to be the plumber, but you mm-hmm. got to have a plumber. And the plum, the pendulum, I feel like is swinging back, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. we're now instead of encouraging kids to all go to college you know, for a degree in business, and then what do you do? Uh, which is, not, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, now schools through the STEM programs are really encouraging kids to pursue trade mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I highly agree with that because I think 18-year-olds right out of school, really very few of them know exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I did want to be a nurse, and it took me a while to become one, but um, would I have done as well? Probably not. Right. I probably wouldn't have made it. I would have partied my fanny off in, high, in college. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm not speaking from experience or anything. Um, okay, so what was one of your first jobs out of school? Um, I worked at a restaurant. I was a waitress. Yeah. And I think that everyone should be a waitress in their life at some point or, or another. It's the yeah. most 
humiliating, <laughs> humbling job to have, but it, uh, I think it, it, um, I think it teaches you a lot about um, people and a lot about uh, communication, um, about working hard and working as a team. And I, I just, it was, I had a ball doing it, but um, it, I realized it was not going to pay the bills. So I definitely picked up on the word humiliating. <laughs> Is there any uh, podcast safe story that you can think of? Of course. So <laughs> when um, one of my first tables I had was a table of 12 when I was finally on my own. And I was delivering a, we worked in, I worked at a higher end restaurant. I was delivering a uh, prime rib with au jus on it. Mm -hmm. And I did the little, what, you know, they could do the little, call it the bunny dip, but it really wasn't a bunny dip, but you kind of bend down a little bit with your legs, you know, so you're not bending your arm. And I promptly spilled all the au jus down this client's back. Oh. That was special. Yeah, I didn't get a tip. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure they comped that meal. Yes, they did. Yeah. They did. So uh. anyway. Okay, but, so was that when you were living with your sister? Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, I did get a job at Budget Rent-A-Car. Oh. Yes. So I got into the business field a little bit um, and worked during the days. I just worked at the counter at the oh. airport, rented cars, okay. and then kept my night job. So I actually had um, two jobs and eventually moved out on my own and moved into a more of a business aspect of the rental car business and was there for a couple of years and worked both jobs. So it was really good. Yeah. I saved a lot of money and spent a lot of money and bought a car and, <laughs> you know, did all that stuff. Yeah. So Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, so was there any other big milestone between that and meeting your husband? Um, yes. So I thought I met my first husband. I thought I met my husband when I lived in South Carolina. So we, I got engaged. We moved to Michigan. I realized he was a mess, mm -hmm. and I broke the engagement, and then I moved back home with my parents. Yeah. Humbling. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I'm glad you didn't marry whatever that That guy was, is. right? Yeah, right. now we have Mr. Clancy. Now we have Mr. Clancy. <laughs> so at that point, thank God, I did work at the budget rent-a-car because I had some experience, and I ended up getting a job at Cellular One back in the 80s when cell phones were, were um, not in everybody's cars. They definitely weren't in your hands. And, um, yeah, so that's where I met Mr. Clancy. Yeah. How did, so he said, hey, baby, can Pretty, I get your number? Yep. <laughs> and I said, sure. So <laughs> six months later, we were engaged and married within a year. Awesome. Yep. Now, you guys moved around a lot. We did. Tell, you have 11 homes. A picture yep. of homes. 11 homes, <laughs> and we've been married 30 years. So, and the last 20 years have been in Texas. Oh, I'm glad so. they were here. Yeah. So what, I can't remember why you guys moved. Was it opportunity? Was it work? A little bit yes, of Yes, all of his job. So once we met, um, once we met and got married, um, I was working at Cellular One and so was he. We had the opportunity to move to Puerto Rico um, as a couple to help start the cellular business in Puerto Rico. So I was working there along with Terry and got pregnant. So that was kind of, in my head, I never thought I would stay home with my children. Mm -hmm. I always thought I would be a working woman. And I had, at this point, started taking accounting classes at night, thinking I would get my accounting degree. Um, Terry's an accountant, and so we had a lot to talk about when we first met. So that was kind of my plan. But then when I got pregnant and we lived in Puerto Rico, I wasn't going to leave her with a, a babysitter. So that is how I started being an at-home mom. Oh, how was that transition? It was tough. It was very tough. It was a tough life to live down there. I mean, it sounds like it was all glorious and wonderful, but it was not a real easy, easy 
thing, especially having a new baby, being pregnant down there was just a challenge just with the language barrier and just, I didn't have my mom there, I didn't have my sisters, I didn't have anyone to really help or even tell me what to expect. So a lot of it was uh, trial and error. So Yeah, I think a lot of stay-at-home moms are, man, even on maternity leave, feeling like isolated, but yes. you're like triple isolated. Triple isolated, yeah. and luckily there were two or three women that were similar situations that, you know, we kind of banded together and um, met each other and did a lot of play groups with our babies, which was more mommy group. Right. Mommy group therapy, because um, Mr. Clancy worked a million hours, so he never, he was not home at all, so anyway. How that's, long were you in Puerto Rico then? We were there about two years. Okay, and then were you like, look for every opportunity to get home? Absolutely, or? after two yeah. years we were done, so um, he did get an opportunity to come back to Columbus, Ohio with, with the company, and um, I came back pregnant, so now I was on baby number two. And um, we had just kind of settled into the role of me staying at home, and that's just kind of where it where we went from there. Did you guys ever have conversations like five years from now, ten years from now, that you'd like to go back into some type of job field? Or at this point, no. It just seemed like this worked. It was um, I enjoyed it. I was very thankful. My mom stayed home with us as kids. Um, I don't think she was real happy about it, but again, back in the 60s and stuff, you, I don't know if women didn't work. So most women didn't work, so you were kind of, um, I don't know. I don't want to say forced into staying home, but you were, and a lot of people didn't have money, and so I don't think they had were very well off either, which made it hard. Um, and we were not super wealthy when I stayed home, but I did have the flexibility to have my kids um, do camps and uh, preschool and you know, things like that, and we could go on vacations, and so that made being at home a little bit easier. I could get babysitters if I needed. Um, so. Shout out Parker Penny. <laughs> you got that right. So. so during this time, did you ever, like, feel this desire inside? Like, man, I'd love to get back to work, or were you just, were, was everything just a well-oiled machine and going well? Honestly, the probably the, the most dreaded uh, question I had um, and hated whenever we would move to a new city or anything and we'd you know be meeting the neighbors is, oh, where'd you go to school? Mm. And I always had to sit there and just kind of swallow my pride and say, oh, I just chose not to go to school. And so this was also, again, into the 90s where it was starting to change. The pendulum was going the other way where most people did go to school, um, encouraging their kids and people had careers and um, yet there were still a lot of stay-at-home moms like myself that had not chosen to go to school. So I would say the first, that was probably when my children were maybe three and maybe two, let me think, two and four. Mm -hmm. It was before we moved to Texas that I started thinking, you know, I think I might want to start thinking about going back to school. So I um, started taking some night classes just to start my prerequisites to possibly someday go into nursing. Did you tell a lot of people right away or did you kind of... I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... It almost creates like that accountability or expectation because right. then people are going to like bring it up. Yep. Something I thought of too when you said that dreaded question of where you went to school, just talking to some different people, I kind of wonder if the stay-at-home moms that are my age... If they dread when people ask, so what do you do? Where do you work? And, mm -hmm. you know, stay-at-home mom and, oh, must be nice, you know. Right. All that kind of um, 
Yes, it's it's yes. a stigma also. You know, stigma. people are like, oh, well, you know, you must love it. You don't have to do any work. And uh, honestly, <laughs> you know, to say I learned from that, though, that I would say, you know, do you work outside of the home is what I would ask other mm-hmm. mothers, you know, That's as I was growing, go, growing in my my um, knowledge of stay-at-homing mm-hmm. because it's the worst. I shouldn't say the worst. That's terrible to say. It's the hardest job you'll yeah. ever do. I love every minute of it. I love that I had my kids with me, but it was 24-7, and mm-hmm. I never got to go to the bathroom alone, as you no. know that. Yeah. You don't get to do um, anything. Um, so. Yeah. My favorite's when you sit down to eat something, and they just, they could be two miles away, but they'd come over and be like, can I have How some? Yeah. <laughs> you just ate. You just ate. Right. I tell them it's spicy. <laughs> That's great, great. <laughs> it's spicy. You wouldn't like it. Right. Okay, so you start taking these prerequisites. Yes. You're not really telling anyone. Not telling anyone. What and does Terry think? Terry's great. He's very encouraging. He is... Um, you know, supposed to be home in the evening to take care of the kids so I can go to school, and that, you know, always gets messed up because he works a whole bunch, and half the time my mom is watching him or, you know, a neighbor kiddo, which is fine. But it was hard. It was hard because I, it was, um, you know, I was literally starting with um, language classes, so I was, you know, doing the reading and the writing and having to write papers, and this was, this is going to date me, back to, I think we had dial-up, Mm. AOL mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. one that said you've got mail and you yeah. had to listen to the yeah. so yes yeah, so research was ridiculous so I had to go to the library you know you couldn't research anything online because it took 10 days to get anything back so um, so it was challenging but um, I got through the first couple classes with A's and was very proud of myself so it um, it did make me feel really good about myself so another dreaded Word these days is all that mom guilt, right? Yes. And that can't be really a new phrase, Mm-mm. I would think. Um, so did you ever experience that? Or do you have any suggestions on like what worked for you to help kind of alleviate that? that? Yeah. You know, the first time I really, in the evening, I didn't feel that because the kids were excited that dad was home. And so that they, you know, I was thrilled I didn't have to give them baths and put them into bed. But I'm sure they went to bed without baths. But, you know, you you never know that till the morning when they wake up. But um, when we moved to Texas and I was finally deciding that I was, had got all my prerequisites done and I actually went back full time to school um, that's when the mommy guilt kicked in because um, my youngest was in fifth grade and my oldest was in seventh grade. Um, both of them pretty self-sufficient but still needing a mom around. So I chose to do full-time school through the, um, during the day, but then I would study at night and then I started missing you know, things at school, the Thanksgiving feast, all this stuff, you know, field day. Uh, room mom volunteering this and that and and that's when the mommy guilt came in mm-hmm. um, but honestly I asked the kids this if that really do they remember any of that they don't mm. so that would be my advice is that you know as long as you are making it a positive change in your life um, they're going to see that as a positive change in their life and they're not going to look at it as you've abandoned me mm-hmm. you know at least mine did not they they both always remember that and I, I remember teaching them each how to cook a meal and how to do their laundry and they thought that was really kind of fun mm-hmm. we had scrambled eggs a lot but I didn't care <laughs> I didn't have to cook it and they could do it and they got an accomplishment and they felt good about themselves because they could cook a meal yeah well you know scrambled eggs is a step above cereal absolutely so. that wasn't allowed did they did they ever point out things they did remember like 
whenever you said, do you remember me not being there? <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> so my oldest one, um, we had an alarm system on our house, and I couldn't get back from school until like 5.30, and they got out of school earlier. So she would come home on the bus by herself, and then when she would get home, she did have a cell phone at that point, and she would text me or call me. I can't remember if there was even texting back then, but she would call me and say, I'm home. So one day I get this phone call from her, and she's hysterical because she had come in, turned the alarm off, and something happened, and all of a sudden the alarm went went a-blaring, and she's in the house hysterical because the alarm's going off, and she doesn't know why, and she thinks someone broke in. So she calls me screaming and then runs out of the door, drops her phone, and and I never hear anything. Oh, my God. So I'm hysterical, so I call my other friends, who Emily, oops, said her name she ran all the way down the street like at top speed landed at my friend's front door they both go running back to the house and um then I finally figured out that it was nothing it must have just been a false something with the door or whatever but she remembers that (laughs) as the scariest thing yeah so and then I felt terrible because I couldn't do anything and I was you know far away and who knows if something would have happened so that was horrible (laughs) Gosh, and then I'm sure trying to like get a hold of somebody too. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy. No, now, now it's easier. Yeah, yeah. but it, it all worked out and everything was fine. So there's a lot of a lot of prayer that went into that whole time too. So mm-hmm. just letting God take care of it and He would keep them all safe. So well, that might be the answer to my next question. But um, when you were deciding to go from the prerequisites in the evenings to full time school. Was it just a natural kind of, okay, I've done the prereqs, now I'm going to pursue this? Was there a long conversation about, is this Um, the right time? You know, my husband always supported me. He was always supportive, so I never felt that he was not the one telling me. But sometimes, and you guys will know this because you're young and your parents, that's all still really active, but it's kind of funny when your mom tells you something, you don't hear it, but sometimes it takes another person to tell you. So my husband was telling me all along, go to school, go to school, full time, you can do this. But it didn't take until um, the principal of my kid's um, elementary school was the one that kind of sealed the deal for me because I was talking to her about going back to school at one point and then the end of the year came around and she said one day she said you know I thought you were going to go back to school and I said well I know I just never got around to it and she said do you know that if you had started in September you'd have a year under your belt now and it was just kind of an awakening right there that I went you are right and so that summer I finished up what I needed to do and got enrolled and started in the fall full-time. Wow, I never knew that Mm -hmm. part of this story. Yep. Awesome. So you're going to class. Are there other women your age? Is that a bunch of young kids? Mostly young. I was was not the oldest, but I was probably the top five oldest. Mm -hmm. But but it was neat. I I loved it. I mean, it was hard. It was harder than I had ever expected. Um, This was once I got into nursing school, which then, which took me about two years once I finally decided to apply to get into it because you have to get a 4.0 and you have to, you know, have all your prerequisites done. And you, I even the first time didn't get in with a 3.8. So I had to go back and repeat a class to get a 4.0 so I could get in. So once I finally got in, um, the the challenge was staying in, but um, it was, it was really hard and it was, that was hard to balance. Now the kids were a little bit older. Um, but 
they were very self-sufficient. They both were driving at this point, or at least one of them was, had a lot of school activities, and um, I just really was able to get a, a bunch done because Terry worked at home, and it really was... Um, it was good, but yeah, lots of young young kids that would go out partying and show up the next day and say, oh my God, we have a test, and I had spent like 80 hours studying for it, <laughs> and they would score better than me, but that's okay. So did you ever have those times where you're like, this is too much, I can't do it, yes. even if it was like five minutes or five hours? It was lots of hours, yes. I remember crying <laughs> the first week and coming home because I was taking a full load. I think I had 19 hours. I hadn't been to school in so long, and it was like chemistry and, you know, anatomy, and both had labs and both of this and blah, blah, blah. And I just cried and cried, and I remember sitting with your mom and dad on our back porch drinking a beer, and I said, I'm done. I can't do this. And I had done, been there a week, and they're like, yes, you can. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. I said, I had 300 pages to read this week, and your mom fell over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Yes. My mom does not read, she nor do I. She doesn't like to read. So. But I'm trying. It, it was hard. It was, And I really, really, really wanted to quit. And then in this, let's see, one Christmas break, they decided that whatever class I took wasn't the right class, so I had to cram for a, you know, one of those mini-mesters during summer and it was some ridiculous class where I had to go. I was, had a lot of extracurricular things to do. So that was a challenge. And I missed Christmas. And, yeah, it was it was bad. So friends helped. Friends right? helped a ton. Anything else that helped you kind of get out of those funks or through um, those hard times? You know, during that time, I also started um, training for a breast cancer three-day. Mm -hmm. So that helped. That gave me training, you know, physical stuff, which you would think would just be one extra thing, but it gave me also just, I had a, I had a schedule and I'm a very schedule oriented person, but it gave me a schedule to get my physical part done. I, um, did, you know, my work during the day and then studied at night and yoga. <laughs> yoga was a huge big thing too yeah. even if I just went there and laid in you know what's the savasana at the very end where you just lay there and sleep yes. at least I got an hour of quiet time that's my favorite <laughs> right yeah um so friends can also want to pull you back whether it's intentionally or not when you're having those bad times sometimes they're the ones saying yeah girl quit what are you doing or mm -hmm. You know, it starts off, I don't know how you're doing it. Yes, and that was a lot of it, is the I don't know how you're doing it. It's, But, you know, really, everyone was so supportive. It really was. I got a lot of I don't know how you're doing it, but you go, girl. And, you know, you're going to be a nurse. And, you know, there were lots of days that I was in clinicals and thinking, I don't even want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to be a nurse because this isn't the nurse I want to be. But I still had to do it. And I knew there was a end. And all I had to do was get through it. Mm -hmm. Just get through it, and then I would have exactly what I wanted, and that's that's exactly what I did. I may have, should have asked this sooner, mm -hmm. but what led you to want to be a nurse? Like I said, back in high school, I wanted to be a nurse. I, I don't know. We had no nurses in our family, which is usually what starts it. Um, and I was scared to death of doctors and needles and all that. So I honestly think it was... Um, I loved reading um, autopsy books. That sounds stupid, but like Patricia Cornwall is like a a um, coroner mystery books, and mm. so I loved. I was fascinated with 
autopsies and stuff. <laughs> that sounds so creepy, but she no. would always try to figure out the murder based on, you know, the body and what happened. And so, I, I mean, I'm a surgical nurse, so I love it. I love being in the blood and the guts and watching it and the anatomy and all that. So that's probably what started me thinking about that. I never really wanted to be a nurse on the floor or a maternity nurse. Right. I just always wanted to be a an OR well, nurse. Well, I mean, it's not too creepy. That's like CSI and Exactly. Bones and then, and, yes, yeah. now those shows are everywhere. I mean, when yeah. Grey's Anatomy came out, I thought I had died and went to heaven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you still watch? It's okay if you don't. No, I don't. Yeah, I know. It's I got not, tired it's of them. It's not the same. It's not without the same people. I mean, it's actually kind of the same. Right, just but different. just different people. Yeah. I still watch. I don't know why. That's okay. We have regular TV, no Netflix, no Hulu, no, so I'm blaming it on lack of options. There you go. We watch mm -hmm. other things, but. Yeah, well, I still love it, though. Yes. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool that you, you know, found that passion early, maybe from not the traditional sense, you know. Right. A lot of people are like, I, like, I want to help people, and I, I know yeah. you're a very compassionate and helpful person, too. I do. I do like yeah. that I can help people. Um, I've done some mission work with my work, with my um, career, which has been, um, kind of a blessing and a um, surprise that I didn't expect I would get to do. So um, along my whole path of going to school and everything, I also um, had a big religious experience too and converted my um, religion from what I grew up with to a different religion. And that was very important and very um, instrumental in getting me through my school too. Mm -hmm. I remember someone sent me um, a, a little email that said, um, if God brings you to it, he'll get you through it. Mm -hmm. And that I, every semester I would start with printing that off and putting it right in front where my computer was and I would that would be my mantra because I, like I knew he brought me to this for some reason and then you know it may take a while but he's going to get you through it so. yeah. do you think that helped even build your relationship with God absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely I had test anxiety and I you know did a lot of prayer um, healing prayer to try to get through that because I really was scared that I was going to mess this whole thing up because I would freak out in the middle of a test and not be able to finish it um, and that was a big a big thing he really worked his magic so so yep. you're a mom you're going to school how did you keep your spiritual life going um I time? honestly did not devote any prayer time which I don't think I had the time for it or the energy or the physical um, energy that I, I have now um but I do believe that God has all, we went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, I did some retreats off and on on the weekends if I had time. Um, but uh, as for sitting and reading the Bible every day, I, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Now, I imagine, I look back and think, wow, if I had done that, would it have been a lot easier? It probably would have been. But it just wasn't, I wasn't there yet. So, um, but I always um, did offer prayer and um ask for help and everything all through yeah. that and I think it was instrumental yeah. and I always told my children that too and you know they I would ask them for my you know when I would have a test I would send it out to all my prayer partners you know everyone pray for me right now I'm taking my test and it was fun because even the kids would do that when they were little they would send me little messages or put little you know heart stickies in my um on my book and stuff like that when they were little the you know you can do this mom and stuff like that so they yeah. were they were really helpful well I think Keeping up the prayer and turning it to God in times of need is obviously keeping mm -hmm. up that part of the relationship. Um, so sometimes when people achieve a really big goal, mm -hmm. not necessarily a letdown, but it's like, okay, I've been busting my tail and now I'm here. Mm -hmm. Is that 
how did you go from, you know, landing your first job to, okay, what more can I do with this and mm-hmm, then getting mm-hmm. into the mission work? You know, it's a good point because it is with every everything you accomplish, you do, um, it, it becomes normal mm-hmm. and it becomes um, your life and it kind of like staying at home. I mean, I loved it, but it became a routine. And so getting my first job was exciting, but then all of a sudden I was back to um, not knowing anything again and had to kind of go through orientation and start over. Um, And there were many days that I didn't want to get up and go to work every day. Then I wanted to stay home with the kids. (laughs) And they were in high school. (laughs) I just wanted to stay home. (laughs) Sleep deprivation will kill me. But, yeah, it was. It was a letdown, and um, it was hard. It was hard to... I kept, and, and you know, it's funny, I think of my mom now when I, when I, when you bring this question up, because I remember her um, calling me and saying, you've worked so hard for this, and you have done an amazing job, so you are a good nurse, and you are going to change people's lives, and she was just a big motivator at that point, because she did watch me go through all of that, and uh, it was very helpful to have her kind of remind me of that, so. So what do you do when you go on these mission trips? Um, I worked with um, a bunch of pediatric doctors that worked with cleft lips and palates. And um, the first one I went on was to Belize. And Mm -hmm. so we spent uh, three days repairing cleft lips and palates and any other kind of um, facial deformities or burns or anything like that that the pediatric um, hospital there would bring to us. So we'd, you know, work 12 hours a day and it was pretty cool. It was a really neat experience. Very neat. Awesome. That's really cool to hear about. Um, So it's evident to me, as I'm sure it's evident to our listeners, but you seem to have this drive. Um, It almost seems like it doesn't, it's second nature to you. Have you always been driven? Is there anything that, you know, did your parents have high expectations or where do you think your drive comes from? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my dad was always going to school when we were growing up, and so I think I saw him do that. Um, and he he ended up with his master's degree when I was, gosh, I think twenty five. Mm-hmm. So he you know went to school all through our um, young ages. Um, so there was a part of me that probably saw him pursue it that way, um, but. I just have an, and I have a, thankfully, and thank God, I have a kind of, um, once I set my goal, mm-hmm. um, I will do anything to not, not kill people or anything, but <laughs> I will, I will, I, I don't have a problem s- sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Diets, anything like that. I mean, I, if I say I'm going to go on Weight Watchers, I will go on Weight Watchers and stick with it. Or if I'm going to train for this marathon, I'm going to do this. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with that, and I think I'm just very blessed that I have that ability mm-hmm. to do that. Now, to say that, you know, I don't have downtimes, absolutely. In between programs, in between um, goals, um, I have suffered depression. Mm-hmm. And I have had um, throughout most of my life, uh, you know, I have ups and downs. Um, I don't say, I don't think I'm manic, I don't have anxiety, but I do suffer, I do suffer with depression, and so um, I've had, been on medication to help with that, and it does balance it, um, so I think there's a huge stigma about mm-hmm. depression, and oh my gosh, you're on meds, that's horrible, it's not, it's reality, mm-hmm. it's my brain, it's the way God made me, yep. um, and I don't have a problem 
sticking with it. I don't have a problem talking to people about it, but it is a reality. And if you do notice that, you know, if you're having trouble sticking with your goals or you can't seem to do it, go mm -hmm. talk to your doctor because there's, I'm medical. I mean, I know that there's, your body is, can whack out on something. You know, yeah. your brain can get messed up. Your, everything can happen, and, but it can also be fixed. And yeah. there should not be any um, disgrace to that because, um, um, Sometimes it just takes a little bit, and it gets your pathways going again, and then you're back on track again. So No one chooses to be depressed. No. <laughs> and it's funny. If you've never gone through it, people mm -hmm. don't understand. Yeah. But it is hard. You know, I could be, you know, like right out of school, there was a letdown. You know, my kids were grown, getting grown. Um, I had a job. I had to work. And then I'm kind of like, ugh, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of know when I get to that point, usually it's it's – I have to look at my physical part. Am I eating right? Am I sleeping right? And if all those are yes, then I, I, I'm probably heading down a depression path. Do you find it correlates like when you don't have a goal you're pursuing? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. I think it, I think a lot of it is hormonal, but I do believe that um, it's just the way my brain's wired. So you're obviously successful at uh, you know hitting your goals when you set them. Is there any type of thought process you go through? Do you like write out the steps? Are you really good at like, okay, this is step one and knowing where to go from there? Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I have no, uh, no problem setting out a plan. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's, you know, we're traveling and we're going on vacation or whatever. I mean, I've always been very good about planning and sorting and separating and this is our day and at day five we're going to do this and this. Not obsessive about it. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so if there are people out in the world, as I'm sure there are, and they're, you know, they have younger kids and they're looking for what's the next step in their life and they have these goals or dreams or aspirations, um, what kind of advice would you give them looking back on what you did, either what you would wish you would have known or what really worked for you? I would say that probably for me, I, I have no problem asking for help. Um, and I think that is what got me through most of this was I, um, if I needed help with my kids or um, a study group or um, someone to go to the grocery store with me. I mean, I'll never forget there was a woman in our neighborhood that the first week I went back to class, she brought me dinner every night. Oh, and I just yeah. thought, oh my gosh, that is the nicest thing. And she said, I went back to school when I was an adult and it was the hardest thing I ever did. And I just wish someone would have brought me dinner. So bring okay. your friends dinner <laughs> um, and just graciously say thank you. And don't feel like you have to write a thank you note or send them a, you know, just say thank you. Mm -hmm. And it was that was big a, a thing I had to learn is to ask for help, and you know what? If you take that class and you fail it, then you know what? Take it the next semester with another teacher, or you know, like I said, I didn't get into nursing the first time, so it was like I had to kind of re look at things, figure out what I needed to do. I went and talked to the counselor. I, you know, just don't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. That's that's probably I think a lot of people, you know, try to keep it all in and take it all in, and you'll just explode. Yeah, I was going to say. Use your friends, use your family, use your resources. There's tons of resources out there. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, help sometimes might, people might think that conveys that you're not doing it or mm -hmm. not able to do it well. And so if I ask for help, then people might think that I'm not 
going to do it. And, right. You know, if I can do it myself, then I can show them I did it. But, yeah, asking for help. And also friends may be volunteering to help. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. We're letting you know right now they might not ask, but bringing dinner. Sure. That was such a sweet thing. It really was. So. Well, thank you for coming and sitting in my mom's now very hot closet. Yep. <laughs> Jeannie's closet. Yep. Who knows? He'll be here next time. <laughs> well, thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Again, Janet is just fun to be around. I've been around her multiple times throughout our friendship, and it's just cool that she just lets me join the party, too. So thanks, Janet. I loved this interview. Yes, the Clancy duo is quite the pair to be around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I hope you guys took away as much as we did in hearing her words of wisdom, and I hope you found some inspiration as well. If you also, so we're dropping two episodes this week, Janet's interview and Nancy's interview. So one is about being vulnerable, traveling a different path and getting to where she is now and how she did that and what she overcame. And then we have Nancy who's going to talk about dyslexia. It affects one in five people. So hop on over to that podcast episode after you hear this one. And uh, there there you have it. We're going to kick off a new mini series the next week. And it should be jazzy. Nothing but gold. That's right, baby. (laughs) All right. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self, the community that cares. 